November 26th, Friday, Black Friday. This is the Hezzy brought to you by BasketballGods.net. A lot of you probably running around trying to shop. I ain't going out. I ain't going out. It ain't that serious, man. I'll do the Cyber Monday or shop online. But, you know, I think people lose grasp of what exactly they're doing. Time is money. Like, you going to get a sale on two items, $20 off, but it's taking you three hours and then you got to deal with parking lots and traffic and assholes. <laughs> nah, miss me with that. Let's talk some NBA though. Considering it is the biggest shopping day of the year, I thought I'd do a little buy and sell with some of the surprise teams in the league. Let's start in the Eastern Conference. Well, is Chicago a surprise team? I, I, I won't even call these surprise teams, but these were the teams that I came up with the list for, all right? Because Chicago, to me, is a tough one where my head tells me, yeah, they're for real. They're for real. They've got the talent. But then my gut is telling me, like, eh, you know, when's the last time the Bulls were really good? I guess, you know, D. Rose, Joe Kim, Carlos Boozer and his Sharpie. What you've seen with Chicago is they lack rim protection, right? They lack a second big. Vucevic has been out a long time now, right? But then you lose Patrick Williams. And when it initially happened, I didn't think it was that big of a deal he's a second year guy he's young he didn't look that you know but what he brought to them was that small ball lineup in theory he was their small ball five right and the switchability and dealing with pick and roll actions and you've seen without Vucevic Vucevic isn't going to solve that anyway right but they don't have that versatility they don't have that big wing or that small ball five you know who would have been absolutely perfect for Chicago is Daniel Tice the guy that they had for half of last season. I understand they couldn't re-sign him when they bring in Caruso and DeMar, but man, he would have been perfect in this spot right here. And so that's a huge loss. I think the upside for them is Vucevic, even when he was playing, hadn't played as well as you expect him to or shoot as well as he would moving forward. He kind of had the yips. He's trying to fit in and all that. But I'm going to buy the Chicago Bulls being a top four seed and being a a legit contender out east because of the chemistry. We talked about that early on and just how all these guys are kind of coming together at the right time in their careers. DeMar, the scorned star. Zach has to prove he can win. Lonzo gets his big deal. Uh, you know, th there's just a lot of elements to it. I think what I'm looking for from Chicago is can they possibly flip Kobe White for a big wing or big man someone who can play the five spot defensively ideally that can get out and switch on pick and rolls right and give them something that Vucevic can't so I'm buying the Bulls the Washington Wizards they're truly the surprise of the Eastern Conference right I'm not buying it I'm not buying it and it's not that they're not a whole lot better I think their fan base should be hyped 
I think it's just the fact that you've got some sleeping giants in the Eastern Conference right now. Things are going to get shuffled here. Milwaukee's going to get in the groove. Philadelphia, you assume, hopefully is going to get healthy, right? And then I think New York is going to figure it out as well as Atlanta. And so, you know, the, the reality of it is, is that Washington, all of a sudden, the East is the tougher division. So I think I, I buy that they are greatly improved. I'm not buying that they're going to hang around in the top four. Now, the counter argument would be, well, they haven't even got Rui Hachimura yet. Davis Bertans is out. And then they're going to get Thomas Bryant back. Oh, yeah. And Brad Beal hasn't even really been Brad Beal this year. And so there is an argument to be made that, look, they that they potentially could be even better. They, they're not peaking at all by any means. I will push back on the Beal thing. I think that this is more of who Bradley Beal is on a good team. If you watched the last few years with Washington, Beal was afforded the luxury of basically shooting into rhythm every night. If he could be cold, you know, and he just kept, kept jacking up shots until he got hot. Now there's more shot makers on this team, so he can't really do that or he shouldn't. And he can spend a little more energy defensively. They've been a much better defensive team than anticipated. And so I think Beal's fine with that. I'm not, I'm not trying to diss him. I'm just saying some of those godly offensive numbers that he put up over the last few seasons with Washington, it was because the team was awful, right? So I don't think you can necessarily say, oh, well, Beal is going to start hanging 30, 32 a night, or you know, he's going to give you all these big offensive outputs. He'll have his outbursts. He's, he's been fine. I would like to see Washington use Denny Advia a little more. He is their best defensive forward. I think he could play the small ball five, and he has ball skills. You, you can He can create for others. So, you know, I, I guess there's a lot of mouths to feed there now because you look at Dinwiddie, Beal, Kuzma's become a playmaker, and so it makes sense. So I'm curious to see what they look like when they're whole. But overall, in this now kind of loaded Eastern Conference, I'm selling on the Wizards finishing in the top four. How about the Minnesota Timberwolves? They've won five in a row now. The context being, look, they beat Sacramento, they beat the Pelicans, they beat San Antonio, Memphis, but their last win against the Heat, that's impressive, man. You got to take care of business. And I know y'all saw that Ant-Man dunk that they wiped away. The NBA should find that referee for calling that charge call because he ruined the dunk of the year thus far. And the worst part about it was it wasn't even a bang-bang call. It wasn't even close. Ant was already elevated and the dude scrambled. I don't even think he set his feet. I don't, I don't know, man. I think these referees should be fine. There's got to be like ratings. They got to get a scale, right? And if you blow a call, what do they call it in, in the NBA? When, when you get a blow by, like when you just get blown by and it's an easy score, when a ref blows a call, they got to get that shit deducted. Uh, oh, that shit was egregious, right? But Malik Beasley, I had mentioned last week, I was like, Minnesota needs another scorer off the bench, right? They rely too much on D'Lo, Towns, and Ant. And I had forgotten about our friend Malik Beasley. Hopefully, he's forgotten about Larsa Pippen. And maybe he can get his, his head right here because we know he's immensely talented. But he's kind of, he's unreliable. He seems like an unreliable fellow, <laughs> if you catch my drift, right? But he had big night for them against the Heat. If he can consistently be that fourth guy and that scoring punch off the bench, look, I th I'm buying Minnesota here. The talent's there. I like Finch's system, what they're doing offensively. And it's now or never. I, 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 you know I shit on Towns all the time. It's now or never for, for Towns and D'Lo. 
And they've got to yield to Ant-Man because he is the alpha of this team. But I'm buying Minnesota. I think they're going to climb possibly all the way up out of the plan. The other surprise team out west, the Golden State Warriors. You already know I'm buying them, right? You already know I'm buying them. To what extent, you know, you want to be cautiously optimistic here. But I'm not going to get into too many details. We, we talk about them every episode. But I do want to talk about the other night against this Philadelphia 76ers team. I've been talking about chemistry with teams a lot, right? And it's kind of arbitrary, right? You can't really measure it. It's just kind of like the eye test in the feel each night, guys smiling, high-fiving, and just playing without having to say much. And Steve Kerr this year, he just has more cards to play. There's just more cards for him to play. And Juan T is the perfect example of that, right? Because last year, he couldn't have cut Juan T really out of the rotation. They were a bad team. And when you're bad, you have to find ways to motivate and get your guys going without restricting, you know, the obvious of, oh, you're not playing as much, right? You can't do that on a bad team. It doesn't work. But when you're loaded, it's much more simple, right? You lose your minutes. And so it took Juan a few games to get his legs. But Wednesday, he looked like the Juan who was playing for an NBA contract because Kerr had more cards to play. Daniel, one of my longtime patrons, had asked me the question, who on this team is facing the biggest change when Clay returns? First, I think that Kerr is going to defer to Clay. That's at least what I remember him saying last. I don't know if there's been something recent that they have released, right? But I think that, you know, hey, Clay, do you want to come off the bench? Do you want to start? What matchup do you want? I, I literally think that they're going to ask him. And just so he's comfortable, right? And so I think that it's going to, you know, whatever that may be, you imagine Clay, his personality, he's going to want to start, right? So, and, and just even get that pop with the crowd. I also think that in order to get him the best shots available and get him confident and flowing as soon as possible, you want to play him with Steph and Dre most. So then the biggest change is going to come for Jordan Poole, bumped out of the starting lineup. Now, yeah, no, that, that's what it would be, right? Unless you play Draymond at the five because you, you're not bumping wigs out of the starting lineup. He's been too good. He makes too much money. So I think the biggest change will come from Jordan Poole, but I feel, still think he's going to get most of his minutes. I think the minutes, it's got to be D. Lee, right? It's got to be D. Lee because GP2 is a different monster. He's a different beast. He's essentially playing the center spot offensively. But again, with Kerr having so many cards to play, it'll remain dynamic and everybody has to stay on their toes and stay ready because they know outside of the core stars, your minutes aren't guaranteed. And it's a lovely thing. It's interesting too because you look at Steve Kerr's coaching tree, Lute Olsen, Phil Jackson, Greg Popovich. Now during the dynasty run with KD, that was something different, right? That was, we'd never seen a, and a collection of talent like that. And so that was different for any coach. But then you saw the last two down seasons. I think Kerr was a little more like Pop. He was trying to be a little more like Pop. And I think what we're going to see with this roster and this depth, he's going to get into his fill bag a little more. And you saw it with the JTA thing. And he's going to find different ways, different buttons to push, different ways to motivate guys, keep everybody engaged and kind of keep the chemistry and juices flowing. Now to that Sixer game the other night, I think we were all waiting for the inevitable stinker. 
you know, it doesn't matter how good you are at a certain point in the NBA season, you're going to have a handful of games where you just don't have it. You're disinterested, whatever the case may be, you're fatigued. And usually you look around the holidays, whether it's Thanksgiving or Christmas, the home team tends to be distracted, families in town. And then you add the fact that you got an undermanned Sixers team. And so it felt like Wednesday night was that night. At least that's how the game started. A couple of points. Again, you can always go check my my breakdowns on Patreon. It, it'd cost you a dollar, two dollars if you want to be nice. But it's like 15 minute breakdown. A couple of my points. Jordan Poole, six assists. And what you're seeing with young Jordan Poole is he's kind of recalibrating his attack, balancing when to look for his and when to create for others. The last two games, really, it was the Detroit game. He was, I think they showed him the tape. They were like, JP, look, man, you had 30, you, you had tunnel vision as well. And you, what you're seeing with Jordan Poole is it looks like he refuses to not be a star. He's going to do whatever it takes. And so I think that that's the real storyline of the last few games is Poole recalibrating and and he's going to have to do that with clay as well and, and and use that elite first step and his ability to get to the rim is going to be so effective creating for others but hoopers you know a lot of the time when you get downhill or you're looking that's got to be a mindset change as well a thirsty score it's it's score or nothing right and you got to kind of have predetermined reads at times like oh I'm, I'm i'm looking to drop this off to the dunker spot i'm looking to whip this to the weak side it helps tremendously as a young player if you have you have to determine it ahead of time is what I'm saying sometimes. Um, then, of course, the story of Wednesday's game was Juan T, right? He checks in and the momentum badge activates, right? I thought also that the pool three at the half to cut it to nine, that was just a huge momentum swing, right? That was a huge momentum swing. And then they come out third quarter Warriors and then George Niang tries to start gooning people. And that was a wrap for them. That was a mistake. You know, he he checks pull down on the Juan T coast to coast and one. And he was talking, they teed him up. I think they gave him a flagrant. That was just a mistake because Philadelphia, that team that night, their only chance was to hope that the Warriors lost interest in the game. And once he started doing that, it was a wrap for him. And my guy, Nathan, another longtime patron, I think he said it best. Look, he was like, I've grown a real dislike for the moxie scrub who just runs into everyone and gets bailed out with fouls and draws a bunch of fouls. And I was like, you know what? You're absolutely right, Nathan. There's an archetype in the league, and I was starting to think about him, right? And here, here I came up with a list. Niang is on it now, now that he's in Philly thinking he's tough. Compazzo, TJ McConnell, Pat Beverly, and then, of course, the Don Dada of them all, Kyle Lowry and now to be fair scrub is harsh like Kyle Lowry is probably a hall of famer which I don't know quite how I feel about that so I'm not necessarily saying that these guys don't impact the game positively for their teams but it's a type where if you're the opposing fan or the opposing team it just it's hard to watch at times and there's a lot of cheap extra shit but uh yeah Niang has joined that list listen haters are gonna hate but the LeBron flex in Indiana the other night was cold as hell. The fade over Sabonis. If he can fix this team and carry them up to, you know, deep into the playoffs, I'm not even saying they got to win it all, but fix this team and make them good and legit to where people thought they should be, then I think you have to add another real feather to his, his legacy cap for that because I, I, I don't think he can. I don't. 
I don't, I don't think he can because you know why? I still don't think LeBron is a shooter, and that's what they need. Le- he, he can get hot. He got hot in Indiana, right? And he's gotten a lot better, but he's still not a true shooter. And so I don't think it's sustainable, and I think that that's what they need. I don't see how they fix this roster. Laker fans, would y'all trade THT? As exciting as he is, 21 years old, and the potential – I mean, you can't. Can you wait on that potential? He don't fit. He don't fit with that that roster. You 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 knew it. You knew it. So I don't know what you could get for him, but yeah, man, LeBron. He he comes out and it was just it was just a dope moment, man. Again, I get it if you hate LeBron and you just don't want to see anything, but it was it was a cool moment in Indiana, like it ain't over yet type of thing, right? Um, as far as the fan interaction went there courtside, I'm not even gonna repeat what she said because I don't want to put that in the air. But you know who says something like that? A racist who doesn't want to say racist shit in public. That's that's how I read that, right? Like, oh, like you were trying to say something that would really cut, but you can't say something racist, not in 2021, not in public. But, uh, you know, and then there's going to be the pushback of some of you that say, well, hey, man, how do you know that that was even said? This is all he said, he said. Well, go watch the interaction. Go watch LeBron point them out. That was not normal trash talk, so... I'm not here for that. That's BS. I don't care who it is. You know, get that out of there. Tonight, whole lot of games on the docket. Not a lot of marquee matchups. Knicks and Suns should be interesting. The Knicks, man, I I have high hopes for them. And it's still early in the season. You almost wonder if they have too much depth. If the Knicks could cash in some sort of three-for-one or two-for-one deal and get one better player. Who that may be, I don't know. But, um, but yeah, the Knicks have been kind of disappointing. We'll see what they do here. The Suns finishing up their East Coast road trip. And then, you know, that Suns-Warriors back-to-back matchup coming up here in a week or so. That's going to be that's gonna be spicy. We're going to learn a lot from that one. This is The Hezzy, brought to you by BasketballGods.net. I'm out, y'all.